If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, turn to Jeremiah the 26th chapter. Jeremiah the 26th chapter. Now while you're turning there, let me uh, set this sermon up just a little bit for you today. There's a saying that is heard frequently. And that saying is, don't shoot the messenger. Now, what it means is whatever the message or messenger is delivering, it's not their fault. It's not their message. And if you don't like the message, you need to go to the source and take it out on that source. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't like being asked to deliver a message for somebody because that's the way you get caught in the middle. And I don't like being caught in the middle between that proverbial rock in a hard place. But this is the way it was for the prophet Jeremiah in this text that we're going to read here in a few minutes. Countless times Jeremiah was treated as if he was the author of the message and a lot of times the reaction toward Jeremiah was one of anger. It was one of hostility. It was, you know, uh, threats were even made against his life. Once he was beaten and put in stocks. But in, in these verses, and if, if you look in this 26th chapter and you go, go all the way through it, which I'm not going to do because of time, but you will see that in, in this text, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but Jeremiah is told by the people that he is talking to, surely you must die. But you find out if you keep studying that he does not or is not put to death. But after him, another prophet comes along with the exact same message and the king has him killed. So uh, later on, the king destroys all of Jeremiah's prophetic manuscripts and he has to start all over again. Another time, Jeremiah was thrown down in a cistern and thank goodness it wasn't full of water, but he got to, to stay down in that cistern several days. And you remember this is where Jeremiah was asking God to help him get out of the muck and the mire. And I've used that a lot of times in a lot of different sermons. But all of this that Jeremiah went through, it, it was enough to make him want to quit the business. In other words, he just had a belly full of it. Uh, you know, even he hated the message that he had to bring because it was one of such terrible destruction. In fact, he pleaded with the Lord to release him from his duties. He, just like Job, he, he despised the day that he was born. Uh, but the thing about it was, he had a message to tell. And God had called him and given him that message. And when God calls you and gives you that message, you find that you can't hold back. You have to deliver that message. So that's what Jeremiah does. But here's the thing, folks, and I want you to understand this. When people get upset at someone, 
who has told them something they don't like to hear, the person responds sometimes, don't shoot the messenger. So don't shoot the messenger today. Because sometimes it means, look, I'm just a spokesperson. Your quarrel really isn't with me. Your quarrel is with the person that sent me and gave you the message. So if you're looking for a fight, take it up with them, not with me. Because I didn't create this problem. I have merely told you the truth about the problem. And attempting to silence me is not going to make the truth go away. The truth is still there. And the truth will persevere. Now, Jeremiah was one of the Old Testament major prophets. And he was sent with a purpose. And that was to wake up God's people. The the children of Israel were falling away from God. They had gotten to the point that they had started worshiping false idols, false gods. So the Lord sent Jeremiah to them to preach them a message of repentance, to preach them a message about the law. And the thing about it was, it was so bad that Jeremiah only had one word really that he proclaimed in his message and that word was doom. In other words, utter destruction. And we're fixing to look at that. Well, let's just do that right now. Jeremiah 26, y'all there? Amen? Amen. Look in verse 8. Now it came to pass when Jeremiah had made an end of his speaking, all that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people that the priests and the prophets and all the people took him. That word took means seized him saying, Thy shalt surely die. Why hast thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant? And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord, or in the temple. When the princes of Judah heard these things, then they came up from the king's house, unto the house of the Lord and sat down in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord or the new entrance. Then spake the priest and the prophets unto the princes and to all the people saying, this man is worthy to die. In other words, they pronounced a a death, a judgment of death on Jeremiah. For he had prophesied against this city as ye have heard with your ears. Then spake Jeremiah unto all the princes and to all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the words that you have heard. Therefore now amend your ways and your doings and obey the verse of the Lord your God, and the Lord will repent him of the evil or relent of the doom that he hath pronounced against you. As for me, behold, I am in your hand. Do with me as seemeth good and meet unto you or right unto you. But know ye for certain that if ye put me to death, ye shall surely bring innocent blood 
upon yourselves and upon this city and upon the inhabitants thereof, for of a truth the Lord has sent me unto you to speak all these words in your ears or for your hearing. Now I want you to keep your Bibles open right there. In this text for examination, we have a case in which the people literally wanted to kill the messenger. And that's the title of my sermon today, Don't Kill or Don't Shoot the Messenger. Now, this text, and let me give you a little history here real quick. This text that that we're looking at today it began sometime uh, unfold, it, it began to unfold sometime in the ministry of the prophet Jeremiah. The pious king Josiah has already died. After Josiah was a king by the name of Jehoahaz, and he reigned only briefly. After him came wicked king Jehoiakim, and that's who's king now. Well, you know as well as I do, as a leader went, so went the people. Jehoiakim was a very wicked king. So the people of Israel became very wicked as well. So this is when God sent Jeremiah in there. And Jeremiah was sent to deliver a message in the temple courts. In other words, God wanted him in a place where there was as many people as possible that could hear his message. Now, I'm going to kind of paraphrase this, but here's what Jeremiah was told to speak by God. He said, if you do not listen to me and follow, and when I say listen to me, I'm talking about to God, and follow my law which I have set before you, And if you don't listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have sent to you again and again, though you haven't listened to them, then I will make this house like Shiloh and this city an object of cursing among all the nations of the earth. Now, isn't that sometimes the reason why people want to kill the messenger? Because they bring such a miserably harsh, confrontational message. Jeremiah's message was one of confrontation. And what he did, he was making an accusation against, or he was charging the Israelites with failing to obey God's law, with failing to uh, refuse to listen to what God's Word said when it was spoke through the prophet. So when Jeremiah starts talking to them and delivering this message to them, I, I doubt very much that Jeremiah had a smile on his face. I, I, don't, I think Jeremiah was pretty firm with them. I think he was giving them a pretty stern warning because his message, and this is the reason why the people didn't like it. His message was different from the false prophets, the false uh, priests. They, they were saying something along the lines of, y'all are all okay with God because you're His chosen people and it's no wonder that God chose you because you're so good. 
Now I want you to think about that. That's what they were used to hearing. Now can you imagine this wasn't well received by the people. It especially was not received by the false priests and by the false prophets. They decided literally to kill Jeremiah. What does the text tell us? Surely you must die. It says it right there. But now, here's the ironic thing that I want to point out to you. But I want you to look at the reason that they gave that Jeremiah should die. Look what they said. They said, this man should be sentenced to death because he has prophesied prophesied against the city. That's an interesting charge, don't you think? Now, Now look. He isn't charged with blasphemy. He isn't charged with lying. They don't say you must die because you're telling lies. What they're telling Jeremiah, this charge amounts to your words made me feel bad. You hurt my feelings. That's what they're saying. Now, the Jews in Jeremiah's time would have fit perfectly in society today. (laughs) You think about this. I mean, there is not a far greater crime than can be committed in, in today's America than to hurt someone's feelings by speaking the truth of God's words. Hardly can there. I mean, they would like for people like me to sit down and shut up. Because I'm too harsh. Well, I don't care. <laughs> you just get over it. You know, that, that's the way I look at that. But because their thinking, their line of thinking is, what you're saying, that's hate speech. Because you make me feel bad. Well, it, but, but look, look, look it, it's not just people that are out there that don't want to hear the truth. Sometimes we believers, followers of Jesus, are the same way. You know, when when the Lord sends a pastor to tell us that it's sin to, to despise God's words by failing regularly to hear it, we think, well, you know, I've been a member a lot longer than this pastor guy we got now. I think I know what's going on. We get our feelings hurt. Or if the Lord sends someone else and you know that individual tells us if you continue to live the way you're living, living in sin with no regret or with no shame, you know, you will be under God's judgment and aren't we tempted to think, why? That's kind of rude. I don't like the tone that you're using with me. Oh boy, when people tell me that, I really, I just can't keep myself from, I, I have to come unwound a little bit. Or what if it's a brother or a sister in Christ or a family member and they say, hey, if you keep doing what you're doing, you know what you're doing is wrong, don't you? And if you continue to do that, living in sin, 
well, God will condemn you to hell. Well, we think, the audacity of you saying such to me, like you've never done anything wrong. Folks, I want to tell you something. A prophet's job was not easy. Being a prophet was a calling from the Lord. And it was probably an unwelcomed calling as well. But I just want to hear for a few minutes. I, I want to do a little bit of a roll call. Just to show you that it wasn't easy being a prophet. In all probability, rather than proclaiming judgment upon Israel and Judah, the prophet Amos probably would have been happy to go back to his flock of sheep and his figs. Nevertheless, he accepted God's call. And you know what happened to him? He was seen as a traitor. He was seen as a conspirator and he was tortured. You remember Elijah. He had to flee from wicked Jezebel. John the Baptist was beheaded. Micah was tossed in prison because he predicted the death of King Ahab and Israel's defeat. Daniel was thrown in a lion's den. Jonah spent time in the belly of a well. Elisha was blamed for a bunch of trouble and the king wanted him beheaded. You know, rabbi tradition has it that King Manasseh punished the prophet Isaiah by having him sawed in two. If you don't believe me, check God's Word on all of this. Well, how did, how did Elijah come out of what he was going through? You know, he delivered a very unpopular message. He delivered a very convicting message. And the thing about it was, he ended up depressed. He ended up being cursed by his own family. He was beaten. He was arrested. He was thrown into that muddy cistern that I talked to you about. You know, these prophets were unpopular. Why? Because when they came with a message from God and they told the truth instead of what the people wanted to hear. In other words, they revealed the people's sin. They warned of the consequences that was going to happen. But I want you to understand, everything that the prophets delivered was not always doom and gloom. You know, it was pretty simple. It, it, it's not rocket science. And it makes me wonder what's going to happen in the United States of America if we keep going the way we're going. Because it is obvious to me that this nation has turned its back on the Lord God Almighty. And something's going to happen. And I'm not going to sit up here and try to be a prophet. But I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that it's all doom and gloom. If we keep going the way we're going, yes, it's going to be doom and gloom. But what's the other side of the coin? And you found this woven through the prophets 
message was that if you simply obey God's Word, do what God wants you to do, everything's going to be just fine. It's simple. It's not that hard. But you know, in spite of that, much of what was said was ignored. You know, let's face it. People don't like to hear messages about reproach and about repentance. It's not popular, you know. Messages that confront rather than than comfort, you know. So these prophets' messages was often uh, unwanted. They were ignored. They were unwelcomed. But here's the thing. What the people did to these prophets... You know, they persecuted them. For whatever reason, they failed to realize that while they may temporarily silence the prophet's voice, the message is still out there. The message did not disappear. The truth don't disappear. The truth always wins. Now, I know not everything that you hear from me is going to make you feel all warm and fuzzy but if we have a good bible based pastor the word of god needs to be heard it needs to be proclaimed and i've probably said it before in this pulpit and i'm going to say it again i would rather be struck dead than to get up here and misuse the word of god trying to make you feel good. That's not my job. I preach the Word. Don't shoot the messenger. You want to pick a fight, pick your fight with God because that's where it's coming from. And I'm all I'm going to tell you, if you want to pick that fight, is good luck. I wish you well. But just like not everything I say is going to make you warm and fuzzy, listen, folks, what about the Holy Spirit? What about when He starts talking to you? You know, it, it, you know, you may not like what the Holy Spirit says, but it's edifying. You know, everything that God instructs you to do may not be easy. But it'll be worthwhile. You know, everything said by a brother or sister in Christ might not be appreciated, but it'll be honest. Why does God do this? Why does God send us these warnings? So we don't have to suffer His wrath. Rather than ignoring, rather than persecuting, rather than killing God's messenger, wouldn't it be better off for us if we just listened to Him, if we heeded His Word? So what does Jeremiah do? Jeremiah said to all the officials, all the people, here again I'm kind of prophesying, the Lord sent me to, I'm paraphrasing, I'm sorry, 
The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the things you have heard. Now reform your ways and your actions and obey the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent and not bring the disaster he has pronounced against you. As for me, I am in your hands. Do with me whatever you think is good and right. Be assured, however, that if you put me to death, you will bring the guilt of innocent blood on yourselves and on this city and on those who live in it. For in truth, the Lord has sent me to speak to you all these words in your hearing. Folks, all too often we think that if we can attack the messenger in some way, it makes the message automatically invalid. But when the message comes from God, what you think about the messenger doesn't matter. I don't care if you think the messenger is rude. I don't care if he actually was rude. I don't care if he's beyond reproach. Rather, he's committed enough sins in his past years that it makes the Apostle Paul reconsider if he's still chief of sinners. I don't care if the, the messenger is wet behind the ears and, and you've been working in the real world longer than he's been alive. I don't care if he's some old goober like me that's so out of touch that thinks a search engine is a kind of train. But when the message comes from God, it doesn't matter if it's welcomed or not, if you like it or not. The point is when the message comes from God, it stands on its own and it is the truth. Boy, y'all just missed a good time to say amen. Now, I'm not going to say we're going to like it. We might grumble. We might complain. But we can rejoice in the fact that God's Word does not change. Why? Simply because it's God's Word. And believers, we're given the privilege. In other words, we have the understanding that the Bible is God's Word and what God's Word says is true. How many of you have heard the nine words? You ought to have these on your refrigerator. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. If you ain't got those nine words on your refrigerator, you need to. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Now look, we're thankful for that. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. We should be thankful that the Word of God is, is at work in each one of us. We ought to be thankful that it's not the Word of man, but the Word of God. Now, let me digress here for just a second. Have you ever told someone, God sent me to tell you something?
Now, y'all are kind of looking at me like going, okay, that's a loaded question, preacher. What are you up to? Me? Up to something? This is what I want you to understand. I kind of get perturbed if I'm listening to a preacher or a musician and they say, God sent me to tell you something. Did He really? Or are you just saying that? You see, we don't need to be playing around with God. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that God can't lay something on your heart that you need to go have a talk with somebody about something they're doing. But what I'm saying is this. If you're going to use terminology like God sent me, you better be sure, 100% sure, that it is based on God's Holy Scripture. You better not be messing around. Why do I tell you that? Because if you take a word to somebody that is not directly from God, you are no better than the false prophets and the false priests that we're talking about right here that were telling these people a bunch of baloney. And you better be careful in this day and age. I've told y'all before, Goodness gracious sakes alive. We've got this social media and we've got all the access to all of this information. You better be sure what you're listening to, what you're reading is accurate, people. Don't be listening to somebody that wants to fill you with a bunch of baloney. Here I'm challenging you. Yeah, you say, oh yeah, that old boy up there from Salt Gap, yeah, he's a pretty doggone good preacher. But have you ever tested what I'm telling you against the Word of God? Don't take it for granted that I'm sitting up here telling you the truth. I've always wanted to preach a sermon that was full of baloney just to see if somebody would call me out. Be sure that it is from and 100% based on God's Holy Scripture. God doesn't announce His condemnation of sin and His punishment of sin to people because He wants them to suffer, but because He wants them to repent to avoid that that punishment. You see, God's law has not changed. We don't like to hear it. Why? Because it does sting. It does hurt. That's what the Word of God is. The Bible tells us that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Why? Because it convicts us. It shows us what we're doing wrong. And the thing about it is, Joe boy, I get perturbed at people when I talk to them and they say, well, I don't like going to church because there's too much don't do this and don't do that. 
God didn't put all the don't do this and don't do that in there to knock you down, to make you feel bad. God put that in there to show you what you're doing wrong so you can be the best you possibly can be. It's not to hold you back. It's to build you up. It's to make the best out of you, you know. And we say it all the time. You probably heard it. Well, the truth hurts. And it does. We don't like people pointing out to us what we do wrong. We try to justify it in our little pea brain some way. But, you know, God's law hasn't changed. It reminds us that when we come before God, we have nothing to offer Him but all of our sins. That's it. You know, and and you look at the holiness of God and all we do is we see our imperfections. We see our ungodliness. All of our evil thoughts and our wicked words and our sinful actions, the law tells us time and time and time again, there are none righteous, no, not one. So what does the law do? It reminds us that we are sinners. It makes us aware that not only do we sin daily, but that we sin a whole lot. It cannot save us because the law condemns. That's the message that comes from God's Word. There are those who try to avoid the message of God's law by either not listening to it, closing their ears, or running away from it. But you know what happens? The law finds them out. And the law, when it it finds them out, the law says doing the law can't save us. You know, it's not pleasant to hear. But here's the thing. Until we do hear the law, and until we understand it, then we can't stand before God on our own. Until we understand that, we cannot appreciate the gospel. We need to see that we cannot save ourselves. We cannot help ourselves. We cannot do enough good works. We can't pay somebody enough money to get us into heaven. We can't pray and get somebody into heaven. So how do we get there? How does the Lord save us? Now you remember what I told you about the prophet's message. It all looked like doom and gloom, but woven in there was that message of hope. If you obey and do the things that are right, everything is just fine. How does God save us? By His grace. We just sang that song. Grace greater than sin. What does it say in there? Marvelous grace. Infinite grace. 
you see why the law points to everything we do wrong. God's grace is our healing, is our lifting up. No longer do we find sin so appealing. No longer are we wanting just to satisfy our own sinful desires. No longer do we want to fulfill the lust that lurks in our sinful hearts. Instead, because of God's grace, we're motivated to live lives of love that lead to salvation. In other words, we look out for one another. Yeah, I may have to point my finger at you and say, stop doing that. But it's because of love that I do that. We're concerned about each one. We realize that no matter how much we sin, we can still come in the presence of God's grace and ask Him to forgive us. And He will. Yeah, the law stings. The law hurts. It condemns us. But God's grace lifts us up. It heals us. And it saves us. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank You so much for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. Father, we thank You that You loved us enough that we have an out. We have a way to get out from under sin's curse. Out from under sin's death. Father, we thank You for loving us enough to send Your Son to die on the cross that we might have forgiveness, that we might have eternal life. Father, I just ask that You you lay it on our hearts. That You make it our mission. That we will go out from this place and carry that Word to other people. They need to understand Your saving grace. They need to say, understand that they can be healed completely. That they can be made anew by Your grace. So, Father, we just ask that You forgive each one of us. We ask that You continue to protect us in this very challenging time. Father, I pray not only for the people that are here today, but for those that are not with us today. I pray for all the folks on our sick list. And I pray that You'll bless us with rain. So, Father, just guide us and direct us as we leave this place. Watch over us, Father, and bring us back at the next appointed hour. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.